Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this edition of the Victory Bells podcast. From right here in the Hypnotic Donuts studios, if you're not checking out our boys at Hypnotic Donuts whenever you're in DFW, whether you live there, you're visiting, whatever, uh, go check them out in Denton or DFW, or excuse DFW, I'm an idiot, Denton or Dallas, how about that for your specific locations, and uh, go check those guys out for whether you want donuts, chicken, biscuits, biscuits of all varieties, all sorts of, uh, you know, delicious concoctions, uh, you can go follow them on Instagram, at Hypnotic Donuts, if, if you really want to torture yourself, if you've got a New Year's resolution. But uh, I promise that uh, our, our boys over there will take care of you. They're Red Raiders. Uh, they love Red Raider sports and, and all things Texas Tech. So uh, excited about everything those guys have going on. So I'm Will McKay, and uh, he's Matt Clare. And so, Matt Clare, how are you today, my man? Doing good, dude. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I am uh, finally coming out of the uh the pit of misery the the dilly dilly as you will of the the flu season so finally on the other side of it and about out of the woods i know that you've been dealing with it yourself here this week yeah not myself not mostly myself, my but... yeah my kiddo uh she's been sick since sunday and took her to the doctor a couple times and now got some medicine but yeah, it's a bummer. Whenever that's what they don't tell you when you have kids is just some days you're just shut down. So, luckily I can work from the house, get some things done. But, uh, but yeah, just kind of drinking a bunch of water, doing things the right way, knocking on wood that it living doesn't. Good. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't get around to the rest of the fam. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, no, just I don't know. It's uh, it's that time of year. I'm ready to ready to see some action on the recruiting trail. I don't know about you. Yeah, man, ready to uh, see, I guess, when we're recording this on Thursday, the 25th. So, I mean, you're, you're 13 days from signing day at this point, and I, I know that's probably what everybody wants to hear about, and everybody wants to know, you know, what's going to happen. So, we're going to get into a lot of that, and while you're certainly waiting for the prospects to come through, and, and that includes who you have visiting this weekend, I think what everybody else is wondering is, is where's your coordinator hire? Where's your running backs coach hire? You know, what, what are you going to do with the other assistant spot? And really wanted to kind of get into some of that with you, Matt, and uh, specifically with the offensive coordinator hire. And it's just kind of curious that you haven't seen a hire get made yet. And uh, from what I've kind of found out, you've got a couple names here you're really looking at. And uh, we, we've had that up on the board, I guess, here for, oh, you know, about a, if I if I remember right, maybe two weeks or or at least a week at this point, we've had the info up on who you're kind of looking at. So we figured we'd get into some of that, Matt. So I guess just kind of what's your thoughts overall with you know uh, what you you've seen there and from the three the three uh, the three candidates in uh, Kevin Johns, who's the OC at Western Michigan. Then you have Ken Austin, who's basically kind of I guess the VP of Ops in the CFL at Hamilton, which mm-hmm. is which is kind of a really interesting. Uh, interesting look at it because he's a guy that was the head coach there. They went back to back Grey Cups at one point, and then before that he was the, he was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So 
that that'd be an interesting one to look at as well. Curious to see if if, if what that would look like. And then the other one is uh, Brian Wright, who's the OC at Toledo. And uh, I, I think the thing that you look at when you look at Wright and you look at Johns is that both those guys are, you know, the coordinators of two pretty prolific offenses that fit what you've been doing. And uh, it's just interesting to look at. So, yeah, I mean, from what we've heard, Matt, those are kind of your, your three hires. I know there may be another candidate or two. But that's kind of what you're looking at here. And, haven't made a hire yet, so I think my wonder is if you're just waiting till National Signing Day at this point to kind of let, at least for two of those guys, uh, finish out their, their classes if you are going to hire one of them. Yeah, I mean, I look at, you know, of the names you mentioned and the details you shared, I, I think, and, and really the, the feedback and comments on the board would be, yeah, you mentioned it, it would be out of bounds a little to see the, the gentleman from the CFL uh, join the college ranks again. Uh, I think the time at Ole Miss was what one season. It's pretty short lived, no, right? It was three years. Oh, it was three years. Then I stand corrected. Well, I mean, you know, I know they love to sling it around in the CFL, and uh, it'd be interesting to see that. But you know, specifically with Johns at Western Michigan and the other guy at Toledo, right? Yeah. Uh, that's well, you know, success that you can look at. And I know both have had other stints at at other programs specifically in the Big Ten and some in the Northeast. So, I mean, it kind of it goes right in line with what you've been reporting of them wanting to bring in somebody new, uh, them wanting to have fresh ideas or a completely, you know, uh, not different offense, but just different background uh, compared to, you know, hiring another air ride, uh, excuse me, air raid air or big ride. 12 guy. Air ride, uh, air raid or uh, big 12 guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think – What's interesting, though, is is to look at the timing, right? Because you look at this weekend, you're going to have your running back targets. You're going to have some of the other guys uh, there for the defensive side of the ball, certainly. But, um, you know, the decision to maybe hold serve and, and wait, like we talked about last week, could certainly be in play here. Uh, because really, after that, you have one other visit weekend before National Signing Day. So I guess all indications are right now from from people we've talked to is that they they are going to wait and make that announcement after Signing Day. Correct? Yeah, based off what I've heard, uh, and I think what Level has heard from from some separate places as well, is that there looks like they're going to wait until, and I guess it would be that Thursday or Friday, maybe. Uh, I just know right after Signing Day to make an announcement of the hire. I, I don't know if he if if Coach Kingsbury has officially made the hire or, or, or what the thing is, but based off kind of what I'd heard and I think you know what leveled heard, it would not surprise me if Johns from from Western Michigan is kind of the the favorite here. Now it could end up not being him, but I think that's the favorite at this point. Yeah, and I think they've narrowed it down to at least those three, like we said. So it's it's not a, a shot in the dark to say that. But but yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting to look at how that affects you know what you do at running backs coach and what you do at wide receiver because you already have your offensive line coach and you already have Emmett Jones at the outside receiver position. So theoretically, you know, you'd have running backs or you'd have inside receivers or. You know, if they so chose to do, they could have a tight end slash special teams coach, which a lot of programs end up doing. So um, we'll see uh, if if Kingsbury wanted to have his fingerprints on it. One of those guys could come from the high school ranks. And, and that is yeah. something else that we've consistently heard. Uh, and you've seen that, you know, in, in recent years, I mentioned Coach Jones, uh, but you've also seen that in a, a, excuse me, at other programs in the Big 12 uh, where they take that tight end slash special teams coach role or they take a wide receivers coach role. So be interesting to see that and, and see, you know, what direction they do take. But 
Um, if we're not going to see anything before signing day, it, you know, it makes sense in some uh, areas. But, you know, if we're here specifically thinking about Texas Tech, uh, I don't see how it necessarily helps. I mean, if we talk about the the young men committed to like a Western Michigan or a Toledo, right, you know, they may sign thinking that these guys are their OC. And uh, right. he says, see you later. I'm going to Lubbock. So, um, you know, it's a dog eat dog world. There's a you know, there's a pecking order to all of this, so um, it's not out of bounds. But you know, that's that's exactly what's going to happen here. Yeah, I, I think that's the, what you're looking at here, and uh, just kind of breaking down these three candidates specifically. Uh, with with Johns, he's a guy that before he was the quarterbacks coach and OC at Western Michigan, he was the OC and quarterbacks coach at uh, Indiana. But before he was the quarterbacks coach, he was actually one of the receiver coaches at Michigan. Excuse me, at uh, at Indiana, so he's got a background in that, and I think Matt, you know, we talked about it during whenever we were doing, you know, our our you know major production meeting we always have before. before. Oh yeah, it's major, major, time. yeah, big time. Big, AKA big, before we press record, big uh, when we big, finally our, our our big J journal research. On, yeah, on it is secret uh, Skype channels and nothing <laughs> else from here. It's the that's the insider. You've got to pay extra for that. You got to pay, pay double for the for the double secret insider. Yeah, and um. But but anyway, he's a guy that was in 2011. Rival said he was the best receivers coach in the Big Ten. So he's got a background in in a spread offense where they run a lot of the similar concepts that you do. And on top of that, uh, you know, he's as experienced as a receivers coach and and as a balanced spread offense. Where uh, I don't know what the numbers were exactly, Matt. Oh, here it was. They had, they had a 3,500 yard passer and 2,000 yard rushers in the same you know, or a thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver in the same year. So I mean. They're doing it balanced at times, and I think that's what you're encouraged about is that with, with all three of these guys, they ran balanced offenses no matter kind of what the, you know, what kind of straps were on the zebra. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, I think it's hard to go wrong either way. I mean, I'm not going to go into his background, but Brian Wright from Toledo was a Broyles Award. Oh, man, today's not my day. Not either. <laughs> Broyles Award finalist for one of the top assistant coaches in the in the country. So, um, you know, they they've got some good options here and uh, we're just waiting on that on that shoe to drop. So, we'll we'll try to bring you guys the latest, but um, you know, it's, it it really kind of touches on what we talked about last time, just a new voice in the room, someone else to come in and, and do that. The other interesting aspect to that is traditionally in this offense, you know, and with Kingsbury, he's always had that quote-unquote eyes in the skies type right, of thing. Right, right. I'd be interested to look into these kind of what their role is now, whether they prefer to be on the field, you know, a number of different things could change, right? I know it's subtle, but, you know, it does mean something. Yeah. Um, and those are other things to look at. No, yeah, there are absolutely other things to look at. And I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of pose this question to you. When you look at all three of these guys, all three are play callers and have been play callers before. So in my opinion, and, and you can, you know, say I'm wrong or you can disagree, but it would appear. You're wrong. I disagree. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the truth. But based on the evidence, it would appear that he is that Coach Kingsbury is trying to hire a play caller. If you put two and two together, wouldn't you think? I would. Um, I mean, it's just such a weird dynamic to talk about because you know, and on one hand, we know for certain that he's one of the best play callers in the country, or one of the most highly regarded. Um, and and uh, you know, we also know that as a head coach, you know, some folks. Never let that go, but to what degree? Like, so the, to me, that's the gray area, right? With any of the great offensive-minded coaches, you know, 
yes, do they eventually hire an OC? Do they give up play calling duties? You know, quote unquote, maybe they do, but to what degree? That's that's where I kind of, I don't know, find it hard to really drill too deep into the conversation. You know, is it 50-50? Is it 80-20, right? And especially with a new guy, you know, that would be a pretty big leap to say that, you know, that guy is calling all the plays. So we'll see. I mean, it's one of those deals where if you – he really cares if you lose uh oh well you know cliff didn't allow him to run his offense you know it's it's one of those yeah. deals right no no it is one of those deals and like i said i think something that a lot of people need to realize too is that eric morris had a lot bigger hand in play calling than i think a lot of people probably realize where he it wasn't like he just had free reign and he was calling whatever he wanted to but he had a gigantic influence on play to play and series to series what was being called to the point where I think there were times where he was calling the plays and your head coach just had the final say on whether he liked it or not. Yeah. And that's where I was getting at too, is yeah, that yeah. with that relationship of eyes in the skies and on the field, yada, yada, um, you know, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's really exactly what you said is what I was getting at. I mean, for me and really for you and, and what we're going to get into next here with recruiting, it, it kind of starts and ends there. So let's assume, yeah. right. That, that in, in either situation, you know, all three of these guys, including the gentleman that, that you'd mentioned from the Canadian league, they're, they're not, yeah. Yeah, they're not necessarily quote unquote uh, recruiters or have you know background recruiting Texas, and I'd love to be wrong about that. But but what I'm getting at there is whoever they hire at running backs coach, whoever they hire uh, a receiver or tight end special teams coach, that that person needs to be a recruiter. They need to see some uh, some hustle, some some results from those two hires, if you will, right? Because yeah. there's value both ways. There's va- value on the field. There's value with evaluation. There's value with development, but actual recruiting is another category. And so I think that you've got to capitalize at least on, on one of those folks on the offensive side to really be your grinder along with Emmett Jones uh, in a Houston or really, you know, using some of that background to, to go north and, and find some playmakers. I mean, it doesn't matter right. whether they're from Texas or not. They've got to get some guys in here, uh, recruit at a higher level, you know, and just have more of that volume. No, I agree with that. Wouldn't you also agree that in coaching, and really in collegiate coaching, 80% of guys are either a really good technical coach as far as like a position coach or or a really good recruiter. It's about 20 guys that are 20% of guys that are both. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, and, and I've, I've said as much in the past that you look at who gets paid a lot, and that's really why, you know? So, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I guess the counterpoint to that is only 20% of coaches coach at a, a, a huge program like an Ohio state or an Auburn or an Alabama, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, I feel like in today, in a today's day and age, you know, there's no reason why a school in the big 12 with the facilities and the tradition of a Texas tech, you know, people talk about location, but I mean, it is what it is. Like at the end of the day, whether you coach at a Toledo, a Texas Tech, a Houston, uh, Cal, all these things, like you get out what you put into it, and and you're gonna have to recruit. And you know, the way I think is like sales, right? Like you can't yeah. just say I'm gonna close these two or three really big deals and be fine because inevitably something's going to happen where maybe those get pushed to the next year's budget or something, something. I mean, there's all these variables that are in play, just like with recruiting. So, you know, when it comes to defensive ends or it comes to linebackers or quarterbacks or whatever, whatever, 
you really have to, you know, prioritize some, but you do have to have some backup plans. You do have to have some filler there. Um, and, and things just happen. Right. So, um, and, and you look at this time of year and what has happened, you know, with Cliff being able to be retained, uh, but having some of that staff attrition, I mean, that was all like a big old two by four to the head at a left field. And so, I mean, I think that has affected some of the quote unquote efforts and numbers. Uh, but I mean, you can you can let me know if I'm wrong. It just seems like this year the the actual consistency or offers, you know, they really haven't been there as, as usual. And you're starting to see that, excuse me, see that you know, with some of these new 2019 offers, but it's specifically to 2018, it's just been one of the, been, been one of the, the most unique recruiting cycles I'll say that I've ever covered. I think that's fair. I think, like you said, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the uncertainty of the return on the staff. And then it has to do with some of the turnover you've seen of the staff. And they got, I think both things are, uh, both things are relevant. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see who you hire here to complete it out. And, uh, I guess, you know, cause speaking of, completing out and closing out uh you're getting ready to close out this 2018 recruit recruiting class and you got what is it here you got seven visitors six potentially seven visitors in town this weekend matt so let's just kind of run this down real quick you're just kind of thoughts on on the list here you got two running backs a quarterback uh a linebacker i guess, I guess excuse me i guess two linebackers a grad transfer dt and then possibly a four-star safety so i guess you're just kind of thoughts on uh, the six possibly seven you might be bringing in this weekend uh, I mean, I think that it just fits all the, the things that we've been saying. I mean, they, they need to find a running back, you know, potentially two. Um, they're, they're just going after John Stephen Jones and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to see if they can get him. And, and, you know, I like it because there is that gap in quarterback numbers that you do need to fill. And if they like him enough to, to bring him onto the roster, I think it would be a great land. Uh, considering it's basically between you, SMU, and Arkansas. And as I reported when I first talked to him, he told me that, you know, look, SMU hadn't offered uh, when uh, Coach Morris was there. And so just because he's going to take over the head job in Arkansas, it's not something that John Stephen Jones is going to forget. Now, I'll also say it's going to be his final official visit next weekend is going to be Arkansas. So right. you're up against it there, and there's a lot of, you know, adoys, you know, that are connected to that story. But I think it says a lot that, that you know, you do have Cliff Kingsbury. If we look at it in a bubble, right, outside of the, the all the results and everything over the past four to five years, quarterback-wise, I mean, he knows what he's doing. And so – um, it, yeah, you know. it might be intriguing, right? And so we'll we'll see. He's bringing mom and dad, and um, you know I look forward to getting his feedback. But outside of that, you look over to the defensive side of the ball. You got a couple linebackers coming to town. You got the defensive line grad transfer, and you know. I, so it's funny, you know. I've got level one sources telling me that Cam Jones is coming this weekend, but he's also announcing live on you know NBC. Uh, the local NBC affiliate on Saturday night. So to me, it doesn't really make sense that he would take an official this weekend. If he ended up, you know, take during the week and never wanted really anyone to find out about it, um, then they've done a good job of keeping that secret. And uh, we talked about it last time. It, you know, he does already know tech. Maybe an official's not necessary. Maybe he met Coach Jennings. I don't know. It's not responding. I've got no details there, but, you know, we've had more than, what, three or four people tell us that, you know, he's supposed to be coming this weekend. But it would just really surprise me that uh, he doesn't end up at, like, a Nebraska because that's where he's been twice over the past month. 
Um, he hasn't been to Tech since the Arizona State game, as far as I know. And if he does make it in this weekend and surprises us all by choosing Texas Tech, you know, I'll be the first to say it on live recording here. It would be a very much a surprise to me. So that's the maybe. Um, but I think that if you can do a good job, the the to me, the most important guy on campus this weekend is Jacoby Simpson because yes. uh, defensive-wise, I mean, he's got everything you want. Um, size, uh, speed, and and just you know can can really be that that other linebacker that you've had over the years. You've had Dakota Allen, uh, Go Jeffers. Now Simpson can be that guy for the 2018 class. And you know if if you want qual- uh, quality over quantity, then then that's the approach that they're taking. And I think you can get that with Simpson. You've got to beat TCU, and you've got to see what he ends up doing with that last official visit this month. Uh, but I, I think that that would be another good win with Gordon. I mean, all signs point to Texas tech here. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I, I think he's looking to be, excuse me. I think he's looking to be that nose tackle defensive tackle replacement for big Mike. Um, and you know, with one year, I think the, the, that's a good move for the coaches. So we'll see. I can't say that much more about him. I mean, I know he, you know, did well relatively, uh, at Rice. So, you know, not it could be worse. Um, and then I think after signing day, we'll see more activity on the grad transfer market. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what we've got. I don't know. Nothing. I, if I were uh, listening to this, it wouldn't be anything that really blows my mind away. I think with the two running backs, you've got a you've got a little scat back who can play some uh, slot receiver for you move out of the backfield really fast. Um, and obviously you're battling o- Oregon State and Nebraska for Tejon Henry. And then with uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, it's you and SMU. Tech hasn't offered, um, but he's a, a bigger guy, six foot two hundred, and he, really uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Stockton almost because he he runs to the side and he'll run straight, but he'll also put his head down a little bit. See, so it's hard for me to find a a comparison. He reminds me of Le'Veon Bell, and I'm, I'm not saying that's that's the kind of player he's going to be, but the reason he reminds me of Bell is that he's he's so patient. Uh, whenever he's running behind his blockers and looking for a hole to a point of, it almost looks like he's slow or that he's um, like walking almost, you know what I'm saying? Like how Le'Veon Bell does that. And, and he has really, really good balance. um, And he's a little bit bigger. Uh, What is he? Five eleven, six foot kind of, kind of tailback and, and, you know, 190, 195. So to me, that, that's who he reminds me of is a guy like Le'Veon Bell. And like I said, I'm not saying that's who he's going to be, as a player, I'm just saying the style reminds me a lot of that. Whereas with Henry, he's clearly a scat back. And, and like you said, a guy that I, I think the closest comparison is probably Cavante Turpin to him as a guy that you can kind of use as both a slot receiver and a tailback and is a little bit bigger, I would say, than Jakeem Grant was ever. Um, and and don't, not, don't know that he necessarily has the same moves that Jakeem Grant does because nobody has the same moves that Jakeem Grant does. So... Um, that's just kind of what I would say with both those. And I think that no matter what, you have got to land one of the two of those guys because if not both, because I think that your, your class, or I guess just with your, 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 your position group at running back is just so thin for the future. As far as you don't just have any guys that you sit there and look at and say, yep, he's the guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the huge question mark is daily on ward and, and does he, does he? Yeah, I mean, all we know is that he's rejoined the team, um, but but does he come back? You know, I don't know. 
ready to go, right? Does he have the bounce? Does he have the speed? Um, is he is he ready to go? I mean, I, I think back there's there's good and there's bad examples, right? I mean, kids flash early and then maybe fall back, but I mean, I don't know. Even if you go back to Washington's freshman year, like he at, before he got hurt, I mean, he looked legit. And I think that you can't say that the same level of excitement maybe for Ward and seeing what he did when he got on the field a, a couple of years back, but not being able to have him, you know, is is kind of I don't know. Grow, made the heart grow a little fonder, right? You, now you really yeah. want to see what he can bring to the table. So I think it'd be interesting, right? Because you're either going to have one of two things. You're going to have a lefty quarterback, which defenses will have to kind of, you know, I don't know, prepare for or adjust for. Um, and then, or you'll have Jet Duffy, which we'll see a lot more RPOs. We'll see a lot more uh, running of the football. I know we saw some of that uh, from Carter this year when he got to play, but I don't know. I just think that was such a small sample size to say, oh, yeah, he's going to tuck it and run it, you know? Uh, yeah. But definitely a different style than we saw this year with Shimanick. And so uh, adding Ward to that and, and letting him do a lot of the same things he did at Skyline, to me, that would be pretty interesting to follow. Yeah, no, I, I think it would be, you know, super interesting to follow to see where things go with that. And I just I, I, I just don't know what you can kind of count on there at running back. And, and my kind of thing is, my, my whole deal is, and, and just over the years and my experience, once a guy disappears, it is extremely hard to make him reappear. You know, you know what I'm saying? Where, yeah. the, where once, a, once issues pop up and a guy, you know, is, is kind of on the – uh, in the doghouse a lot, or you just don't know much about, you know, is he back? Is he not back? I mean, are you just waiting on bated breath for something to go wrong? I mean, don't get me wrong. I am hoping with everything in the world that, you know, things work out for, for Deleon Ward and that he uh, gets it together and can get get it rolling. But at the same time, I mean, any time that I've asked about him or I know Level's asked about him or anything I've ever heard has just been, oh, we'll see. That's kind of been the, the thing, yeah. you know. No, that's same here. And I was I was just about to say that is that, you know, so far so good. I will I will say this. Uh, I guess he's not here anymore, so I can. But I, I actually was talking to Coach Jaluk at the uh, Houston Touchdown Club and he went as far as uh, shaking the chair when uh, when sort of, you know, mentioning that he looks so good in, in spring practice, but he couldn't use him during the season. Right. So, I mean, Take it for what it's worth. We'll see what happens with the new running backs coach. But just something that, that's going to be top of mind, you know, going into the spring game, going through the offseason is, yes, can can he focus? And did he take that past year to really prioritize football? And, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly see if you can get that figured out with him uh, and certainly hope you can. But uh, the last guy I wanted to talk about here, and it's a late addition to, to the visitors list, uh, is uh, Patrick Curley, a linebacker from Wagner, Oklahoma. So that's the Tulsa area, and I'm sure that's someone that's a, a Zach Spavital special. Surely, you know, the coach Spav probably heard about him from somebody uh, that he got recommended him. So, yeah, I mean, I know that you just you, you kind of had a little bit of an exchange with him. So anything you can kind of add about uh, Curley at all? No, I mean, I, I didn't really have much to, to post a full update. Yeah, just yeah, trying yeah, to reach yeah. out and touch base so we can get set up for some feedback after the visit. Um, but no other power five schools looking here. Um, he did say it's an official visit. So, um, I don't know one of two things. This is going to turn into a PWO, uh, preferred walk on, or we are looking at, you know, the coach is taking a flyer here. Cause I've got six two two fifteen. Um, but like I said, you know, 
outside of the offer from Army. Um, it's a lot of uh, – I don't even know if these are group of five schools. You'd have to correct me if I'm wrong, but like an Abilene Christian, yeah. Central Oklahoma, East Central Oklahoma. Um, so I don't know. I mean, and, and also I think official and unofficial visit is a subjective thing that maybe kids don't know how to answer. So I really don't know. Um, we'll find out. Uh, but I would imagine from Oklahoma that he would be coming – I don't know where Wagner is. I don't know much about it's, it's like Tulsa. Okay. So if he's flying, okay, it's an official. If he's driving, I don't know, kind of unofficial. We'll Not see, official. right? We, we got to get the feedback. Yeah. So I'll talk to him. I'll get some more detail. But that one, I mean, I, I had seen Coach following Curly and um, didn't get much feedback. There was nothing on his profile. So I recently updated all of that. And like I said, we'll talk to him on Sunday and get a lot more detail after he visits Lubbock. Yep, yep, yep. No, we will, no doubt. So – um so yeah i mean that's kind of it uh as far as you know 2018 goes for this weekend i i guess matt other than maybe you know tito Ogbanya, who recently you know put tech i guess into what you would say is basically his final six uh, i mean who else is kind of out there that you think if there is anybody you think that might still be on the radar or guys you're still looking at mm, i mean really in terms of guys on the radar I know that Coach Jones was at Trinity Christian in the Dallas area yesterday. Deion Sanders has uh, planted his flag. Uh, and his son is a 2021 quarterback, uh, but he already has like three or four offers. And I, I think that he's like legitimately good, not just you know Deion's son. Uh, I'll do respect to his other son, but I don't think he ever got on the field at SMU. Um, <laughs> But the other the reason I mention it, sorry, is that Maurice Washington is a sort of a late bloomer in the 2018 class, sort of made a name for himself at the Under Armour game. Obviously, he was one of Dion's guys, so he got invited to the Under Armour game. But um, he now has opportunities at uh, Arizona State, Tennessee, a few others, right, that, that are power five, you know, legitimate yeah. programs. So uh, the feedback I got there is that they're still, you know, waiting to finalize some some grade situations there, but that he could be a uh, potential backup plan to what they're doing with Henry and uh, Thompson this weekend. So we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, if the coaches are going to take 19, 20 guys, then the math tells you, unless they really land all these people in one weekend, yeah. that, that we're going to have some some – you know, last minute, I don't know, dosey doing here this last week and seeing who can yeah. come to Lubbock and see who's interested or else we'll just have more grad transfers or fill in the blanks. So we'll see. I mean, I think, again, like we talked about, that's where a lot of the angst from the uh, from the, the posters comes from, and, and that's what they're looking to figure out. But you do some simple math, right? You've got, uh, I think, 14 guys, and, and if we – that's that's including us peeling off Douglas. So call it five to six spots. Um, you've got Henry Thompson. Let's say you land those two running backs. Let's see. Let's, you know, say you get Jones to, to commit to Texas tech. That's three Simpsons four. uh, Gordon would be five. And then you've got the maybes of a Curly and a Jones. I, I realized that, that, uh, that's Cam Jones. I was referring to yes, the safe. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I realize John Stephen Jones is just as much of a maybe. I realize that Simpson is just as much of a maybe. I think if you want Thompson, you can take him from SMU, I would imagine. Um, and then Henry, I mean, I don't know. I would say that Tech has a leg up, but then again, we'll see. The feedback I get from our Nebraska guys is that he may or may not be much of a priority. That's why they're having him come in that last weekend. Uh, that's you know, obviously somewhat strategic. And then same thing goes for Oregon State. I just feel like 
if you're tech, you can beat Oregon State if you want the yes. kid. So, well, anyway, we'll have feedback from all these guys, but just numerically, um, yeah, you'd have to do a lot this weekend because next weekend's looking like a, a preferred walk-on weekend, stuff like that. But you know, I would imagine that we'll see some action. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll see something. You would, you would think here. Um, would wonder if there's maybe some guys that they've been you know in flux with as far as do we offer, do we not offer. Uh, some of those kind of guys may get offers next weekend, and you know I, I know some people and some of you some of you guys are like, well, where are kind of the major late additions? Where some of that? I just think that with the kind of the, the situation with with how your coaching staff was this year, people didn't know if you were coming back or not. I just think this is kind of where you're at this year, don't you, Matt? Uh, I mean, I I do. I think that you point to three things, right? One, and, and a lot of these are common knowledge, but one, you know, Cliff's job status, right? I mean, it, we don't have to treat this with white gloves. I mean, it is what it is. Um, he announced that he stayed, you know, th- you know, thing or item number two is all the fluctuation you had on the uh, coaching staff. You know, that that certainly had some, some you know, issues here. And three is the early signing day. I mean, I think that that... That's hurt um, you, yeah, yeah, it's hurt you, and then unfortunately, you know, as a new thing, there's some teams being applauded for what they're able to do in the early signing period, and and you know, Tech's just going to be one of those teams that that was not able to do the same things in, during the early signing period. Um, in terms of, I don't know, in in terms of how that will look or what lessons they'll learn from that, we'll see. But uh, Cliff Kingsbury. There's always going to hurt Texas Tech unless they have a you know eight nine win season and it's a no brainer. You can't. I don't think you can. If we're having the same conversation next January, I mean we're probably talking about a new head coach if we have another you know six win season. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I would. I would think you probably would be. So 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 just with that, even as a possibility or as a you know a horizon type of thing. I mean these kids are thinking three or four years down the line and regardless of what coaches are telling them or, or what they want to to maybe bet on themselves, I mean, those are realities. Those are things that they're considering. Those are things they're talking about with their parents, maybe questions they're asking the coaching staff. So, I mean, I think at this point, after five years, it's it's fair to talk about that. And I think that's a big contributing factor to, to why you are where you are today. But um, on defense, I mean, a lot of the numbers, a lot of the things that they're doing, you know, do make sense. Um, and it's, it's interesting because with the coaches on the road, they are starting to, I know we're, this is how we're going to round out, but a good transition would be to, to, it is interesting to see what they're doing 2019 wise, because it's more of the focus, it seems at this point already. Yeah, because it's, it's January and, uh, I know we're about to flip the page to February, but I count 40 total offers. Let's call it maybe 42 to 45, just based on maybe updates we need to make, uh, from this past week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. That seems like a good amount of offers, you know, even considering that when you're going to bring in a new OC and that, you know, you're going to get an open contact period in spring official visits in the spring. I do think that number will look a lot different in say June or July. Um, but yeah, I mean, then you have a whole nother half of the recruiting cycle to get after, but you know, the, the great debate is the fact that yes, a lot of schools have, wrapped up their class so to say and they're already focused 100% on 2019 I mean Oklahoma State they've had junior days I think that we'll have many other days coming up and uh, I guess you know with 2019 I've heard a lot about uh, new offers that I've posted about saying that early March is when Texas Tech is targeting a weekend 
But a lot of the same things that we see every year, Will, um, Texas Tech isn't big on these gigantic junior days. So the kids that actually take an unofficial or take the time to come out to Lubbock, those are usually some of their top targets. And so right. you know, now kids can take official visits when they want to. So we'll see who's really serious about Tech, and we'll see what strategy the Tech coaches take there. If they want to have kids take officials or if they want to keep it as an unofficial, I mean, we'll see because – you know, this whole notion about let's all wait till January of next year and take our official together. I mean, they, that might go out the window when you're really trying Completely. to recruit yeah. at a higher level, you know? Yep. No, I think so, too. I think that the landscape is changing and it's moved up by two months. Uh, so that means the whole calendar is starting to move up by two months. And uh, we'll kind of see where things go from here. But speaking of where things go from here, and like you said, Matt, uh, let's kind of dive into this 2019 class a little just a little bit. Uh and in two weeks after signing day, we'll, we'll kind of have a post-signing day, you know, thoughts about looking forward at this class. We'll have a lot of that kind of stuff here in two weeks uh, as we transition. But uh, just kind of an, an early preview here, let's kind of talk about some of your, you know, top targets here or some of the guys that you, seems like there's some mutual interest there. Uh, and, and one of the guys I'll just kind of start with going down the list here. Uh, the first guy is maybe, you know, 2019 Allen QB Grant Tisdale. And it's it's a it's an interesting class, and, and we can talk about him and Jacob Zeno as both guys you've already offered at quarterback. Uh, they kind of seem like your primary targets, I would say, right now. Uh, but specifically with Tisdale, uh, he's a four-star guy that I think you probably have a chance with here, and I think some of that too has to do with the A and M, OU, and UT already have quarterback commits in this class. Yeah, no, and and we talked about it a while back. I mean, that's what makes this. So intriguing is is I said that earlier about John Stephen Jones. I don't think that has any effect on the 2019 class, but I I, I was you know I was more so referring to just Cliff's quarterback acumen, his his you know ability to to coach quarterbacks at a high level. And so I mean I just think at some point in time that's got to bear fruit on the recruiting trail. I mean it did with Pat Mahomes. And we saw what that ended up with. You see that they were able to get Shimanek. You know, now he's now he's doing big things at the Shrine game a week ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he didn't blow anybody's socks off with his play on the field this year. But in terms of talent, the ability to bring guys in, the ability to coach them up, all that to say, you know, Kingsbury can do it. And, I mean, at some point in time, that's going to get you this four-star, this highly coveted guy. And it should, and it almost did. I mean, with a couple years ago, but uh, we don't talk. About yeah, that. yeah, we don't. That's the that's the story that we leave off the podcast, right? No, yeah, we're kidding. not going to talk about that. But but you're right. You're right. I mean, I I guess me personally, I'm I'm waiting to see that. Traditionally, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five quarterback offers. So you've offered the young man who's committed to A and M, Grant Gannell. Um, and then you look around, you've got Tisdale, Jacob Zeno, Sean Sims is listed at quarterback. Um, but I know at sock, um, he plays quarterback. I I'm really not certain what he's projecting to at the next level. I would have to talk to his coaches and get some more info there, but I don't think quarterback is why I mention it. Michael Johnson jr. Is a four star rivals, two fifty guy from, uh, Oregon. So I just don't know how real- realistic that is. And that's why we say Tisdale and Zeno seem to be the top targets right now. So um, I'm scheduled to talk to Tisdale. The interesting thing is when you bring up Tisdale, the reason his name came back to uh, 
top of mind is the uh, the grad transfer that's visiting from from Rice this weekend, Preston Gordon. Yes, uh, they're actually first cousins, and so he actually brought him up and you know mentioned him and this that and the other and said that you know Tech was was big in on him. So um, I mean I think that's the kind excuse me kind of guy you need to go after. Um, he's going to be high profile, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean Texas is taking two quarterbacks this year. They already have a 2019 guy committed. A&M has already got a 2019 guy committed. OU's already got a 2019 guy committed. So really, I mean, you look around the state. I mean, if you can beat out Baylor and TCU for, you know, some of these top guys. Yeah, well, Oklahoma State and and maybe keep uh, the the blue bloods at arm's length, you know, due to your relationship with her or or your sales pitch to a kid. We'll see. Um, It'll also be interesting to see how our, our previous conversation uh, changes things, right? You know, what if this yeah. new OC comes in and says, what about this guy or what about that guy? Um, what if they see other kids on the trail who I, you know, posted about today? I think it's a long shot. Uh, but Taj Gregory from Yates is six, seven, 200. I've seen him at camps, you know, plenty of times here in Houston. Yeah. I know he can sling it. Um, it's, it would just be a new thing, right? Uh, it would, it would, that's, uh, that's a big guy at quarterback. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I just think 2019, they've got a really good opportunity to, to land somebody. And it's because of just what you said, you look around, you look at the landscape. I don't think you're going to have to go to offer four or five to, to really get the guy that you want. And I think that especially with kids able to take these, uh, official visits in the spring, you know, I think a lot of quarterbacks are going to start coming off the board, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, they may end up, you know, seeing a few more decommitments than normal, but I just think that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I do too. Uh, and then, like you said, it's one of those things where without the, the cycles advancing here, you may see a quarterback commit here in early March or, you know, late March here. So uh, we're going to get to that on quarterbacks and, and we'll start trying to gather those guys up and see where things are at. But uh, a couple other guys, I think, off the top of my head that, that I'm looking at here that you're interested in would be a guy uh, on the offensive line here, uh, Elton and Doma Ogar. Just kind of, you think that's a from Allen? He's an offensive lineman, four star kid. You think there's any any chance there or interest there? I do. I do think there's a chance him. If you look down on the defensive ends, you'll see. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Jaden Jernigan, uh, actually yes. defensive tackle. You'll see him. Those two are teammates. They've visited uh, and. You know, we talk about social media. We talk about these things. Jaden Jernigan had this, you know, shtick during the playoffs where he would post a picture of himself and, you know, say like his mood or ready for the weekend. And it was always something that Tech had sent him. So it was like a good luck this weekend or a picture of him and EJ from Tech. So we'll see. But, I mean, with with Elton Ogar, I don't think that – I don't think that they're done recruiting him by any means, but I, I do think he's starting to get a lot of more, a lot more national attention, a lot more offers there. I mean, his stock's rising. I, I really like him as a prospect, but same with Jernigan. So we'll see where that goes and, and touch base with guys. them. Uh, but, you know, let's not forget, looking at this, you've got a four-star uh, guy at outside linebacker Steve in Parker, Steven yeah. Parker, and you've got uh, Cantrell's younger brother, Cameron. Um, so you're, you're not starting from scratch. And, and really what we've seen over the past week is, I mean, we've seen offers at defensive end, defensive back. We've seen receiver a couple times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's it's really been one a day now. So it's second week of coaches on the road, and um, they're going to continue to utilize that as it pertains to the 2019 class yeah. while they're on the road. So right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see some more DB offers with Coach Jennings in place. 
obviously with Coach Jones out there, that's where you're seeing the wide receiver offers. Uh, but with Coach Brandon Jones, you know, you can see more along the offensive line. I know Marcus Alexander from Sunnyvale is a new one, and we've got that yeah, story posted. Yeah. You've got uh, Brown's little brother, Brandon, uh, out of the San Antonio area. So, you know, there's there's a lot to see there on the offensive side, but it's it's certainly not short of uh, defensive offers either. No. You know, it's got that it's got that typical heavier split to offense, but right. um, I don't know. You know, we've we've seen a lot of the the big names here, and if I'm being completely honest, you know, if I just go through, you've got Parker on defense, which is awesome. You know, you start with a four star guy, but with you know Jernigan, I think there's a, a higher probability. From there, you start to get with Harrison White, Nelson Caesar, Braden Mowry, Hunter Spears, which we all know his story. But Marcus Banks, which is a newer offer, Derek Stingley Jr., uh, Jordan, Jordan Whittington, Jeffrey Carter. I mean, those are like national top guys with offers from probably 30 colleges. So um, the the odds of a tech landing those guys is lower. Uh, But with Spears, he could be your Jack Anderson in this class. We've covered that story plenty of times. Um, And and it all kind of falls down to with Parker and Cantrell, you don't really have like – guys that are recruiters. I mean, I don't even think Parker has a phone. Um, so, so, you know, he's just, uh, he's from Lubbock and then obviously Cantrell with his tie uh, with Dylan at tech. I mean, out, outside of that, I think it'll depend on who you get at quarterback, you know, or, you know, a leader to, to kind of join the class. And, and I right. think a lot of that'll shake out um, later in February and especially in early March when they do host that junior day. Yeah, it, it will. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sure we'll start seeing a bunch of movement here pretty soon. But uh, I guess the last thing I wanted to touch here on before we close this thing out, um, just kind of just off the top of your head, uh, and we'll, we'll look more into this in the next couple of weeks, what position groups do you kind of think are the most important for this class to get a big group at? 2019, you're referring yes, to? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I think defensive line, I think you're going to see numbers similar to that 2016 class uh, where they took four or five guys, uh, if not more. Um, and then, then I think on top of that, you're going to see um, another run at DB? not necessarily – well, not necessarily DB, but I was thinking on off receiver because while you did take big numbers, you're always looking for you know guys that can come beat out the guys you just took. And so I think uh, uh, if you get, let's call it three receivers, but highly rated receivers, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I don't know. Offensive line, you always try to take four or five, four, four right? Four or five, yeah, yeah. always, yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm looking uh, – for me, my my uh, outlook on 2019 is go after a, a no-doubter uh, prospect at quarterback, right? You know. Yeah. Use that clout that you have while you have it and go get that guy, right? Um, and, and, you know, if they commit, great. If they stay committed long-term, you know, oh, well. I mean, I think they've proven that they can have options and they can go after these guys. Um, and then, you know, I guess with the defensive side, outside of the defensive line, you know, I don't know. I just don't I don't think you need a whole lot of numbers at defensive back, but we'll see. It, it might be because I guess all the JUCO guys are probably going to run out of eligibility, right? Yeah, after this year. So, yeah, I mean, that that may be the other one. So D-line, DBs, and then they may stick with the one to two prospects at linebacker. I guess it depends on how they finish out here yeah. in the 2018 class. It also could depend, too, what you, if you land to John Henry or what you do with uh, Sir Roderick Thompson – Maybe you really go try to find a bell cow running back, or you really go hard after a tailback here or two. Yeah, gotta have uh, an OC and a running backs coach yes, to do that, yes, my friend. Do. So, yes, uh, to be continued. <laughs> 
I think that's fair. Uh, to be continued. And to be continued will be more adventures on the podcast. So any anything before we close this thing out you want to you wanna riff on here? No, man. Uh, look, I mean, I look forward to talking next week. I think we'll have a, a pretty good gut feeling on picture. Yeah, where, yeah, where tech stands or where these guys are, are going. I think that, uh, our, our friend and, and colleague, Nick, uh, Kruger, I think his interview with, uh, Ogbanya, you know, was, was pretty positive towards the Texas tech, but you know, like we know anything and everything can happen in recruiting. So, I mean, when we say a, a couple of weeks and we'll know it's, it's really a couple of weeks, and we'll know that's the situation that uh, we're all in right now. We're all living day to day, aren't we? We are just getting by. <laughs> all right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. See ya. <laughs>